Every day we hustle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Pilots and Pritards Podcast. This is Drew. I'm the pragmatic and bleeding heart cyclops of this podcast. And I am Liz, who I am back. I am the mother of a single cat, the spark plug, and keeper of hot takes. That I dole them out as I will. And this is a Pilots and Pritards first because Jimbo is not available. But the show goes on, and we will see whether or not the numbers um, reflect any type of change. We might lose the um, Southern Oregon crowd, but we'll see. Maybe they'll stick around. Um, and motherfucking magical, undefeated Miss Mo uh, will be back next week. Uh, this is a podcast with nothing much to do about aircrafts and potentially everything ado about the first episodes of a filmic series. Uh, real quick disclaimer, petard is a word, it's a real word, and petards are bombs, and they're French bombs. So if you're hanging out with a French person and you want to impress them, you know, why don't you just drop a little petard there and see how they react. <laughs> Look it up, read your Shakespeare. In addition, Palatin Petards is a proud member of the But Why Though podcast network. We would also like to thank today's sponsors, Public Libraries, for ad-free listening. And here's a real quick fuck you to Crooked Media for your crooked piece of shit ads. And here's a fuck you to Andrew Dice Clay. I'm tired of your Friday night HBO show. You are irrelevant. You're getting old. And, you know, try some new programming. Contact us if you'd like to sponsor a show or if you'd like to slander a rival. Repay your debt by leaving us an iTunes review or telling someone else about our podcast. Uh, we forget to mention the lottery winner for the survey was Fitz. So congrats, Fitz. Everyone who took the f- survey prior to January 1st had a one in eight chance of winning. Uh, I know that's pretty close for all you Carson Daly fans out there. This is proof that if good, if you do good things, good things will happen to you. Congrats, Fitz. And congrats to Carson Daly for absolutely nothing. <laughs> He's got roots in this show. <laughs> now for today's episode. Join us as we cast judgment and determine if the beloved DC cartoon Young Justice will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question at hand. It's two of us today, but we'll still talk about background. So I can start with mine. Um, this show is beloved by um, comic book fans, new ones, old ones, a lot of people whose opinion I respect. But there's also like some weird things about it, um, like the order in which it was aired and the networks it was on and like time gaps. So my background is I've tried this show a couple different ways, a couple different times, but it never quite stuck. So I haven't seen every single episode, but I've seen quite a few. How about you, Liz? I do think it's funny that the, that we're doing this show and it's the two big DC people (laughs) doing it today. Um, I love this show. I think I have watched it through probably three or four times um, for uh, But Why Though. I did a few reviews for the third season, um, which I love as well. Uh, This is probably my favorite DC animated series um, up there with like Batman, the animated series. But I actually think this one beats it for me for whatever reason. Oh, my goodness. That's high damn praise. So I may be very biased and I want everybody to know that. Liz, the keeper and doler outer of hot takes, and it's three minutes and 39 seconds in, and that's quite the hot take, but okay. Everybody who was here just left, and I thank you for your time, listeners. <laughs> I, I have a new little dangling thread, because I want to do a little DC animated universe ranking. I like but that. you yeah. might have already jumped the gun on that one. I will hit us up with this two-sentence summary. 
very first episode of Young Justice titled Independence Day. The young heroes of the DC Universe are ready and their day has arrived. What happens when the psychics of the DC Universe join up at the Justice League headquarters? Tune in to find out if you should give a steaming pile of crap. So this is uh, part one of our show. going to be some spoiler-free time, some highs, some lows, an evaluation of the quality of the pilot. So, Liz, I, I know you have high points. I'm interested to see if you can dig out a low point or two, but why don't you start us off? I love Robin a lot. He's probably, like, my number one high point. I think this version of Dick Grayson is the version I know so well. I think it's it's a little more modern of a Dick Grayson. But uh, I really appreciate his stupid wordplay, like his why is nobody whelmed, just as like somebody who works in English who does editing. It just it makes me laugh. Um, but I, I also think one of the things I really appreciate about this show is that it just kind of jumps you into it. There's not a lot of introduction to who these people are, which I imagine for somebody who's not a comic fan, that could be overwhelming. There's a there's a ton of showing and like so little telling. There's no telling, yeah. You're just you're just in the action. Um, which I I greatly appreciate because I don't need an origin for anyone. And it's kind of the same argument of, you know, Hollywood and, you know, moviegoers are really tired of origin stories, so Hollywood has to get creative, and I feel like this is a creative version of that. This is an origin of basically a Teen Titans team. But you don't have to see how each person got their powers, how each person came to be. It's just like, all right, they're here. You'll just you'll figure it out as you go. And and I, I really appreciate that about it. So let me ask you this, because your high point is Robin and not exactly a low point, but like I was you're right. They don't give you a lot of preface when you walk in. But like this struck me as a very Tim Drake Robin, a very like techno savvy, smart alecky Robin. And then later when I was doing some research for the show, I was kind of surprised this was, was a Dick, Dick Grayson. Yeah. I think it's more – well, Tim is in the second season, so I will say that. Um, to me, this is more Richard because of his personality. Um, Tim's personality, which in the second season is – it's not necessarily stoic, but it's it's not nearly as wisecracky. It's not making fun of, you know, Mr. Freeze while he's doing things. It's – it's a little bit more like toned down, which is kind of a Tim Drake. Um, but I definitely could see how the the techie stuff is is definitely Tim, a hundred percent. But also, I think because weirdly enough, the Teen Titans cartoon originally on Cartoon Network, I think that came out like what two thousand five. That's technically Dick Grayson, and that feels nothing like Dick Grayson to me. Um, so it's it's just kind of like this weird mesh, I think. That even like furthers me down this rabbit hole because <laughs> there's Teen Titans and then there's Teen Titans Go. We don't talk about Teen Titans Go. Unless it's Teen Titans Go to the movie because that was fantastic. Well, yeah, that's the thing too. I was like, and people have really strong feelings about those things too. And I'm like, man, that's valid. I think a high point I want to draw attention to is, man, the cartoon violence was excellent. This was a re- there was a lot of time and effort put into like the action of this animated show, and especially the sequence I want to call out is Speedy fires an arrow through the air and it like follows it not Matrix style but like kind of surrounds it and then like the arrow hits the dude in the head and I'm like wow like I am enjoying myself thoroughly right now. How'd you like the action? 
I I actually love this season and second season's action. Oddly enough, the animation of the third season isn't as good, which confuses the hell out of me. And part of me wonders if it's so rushed. No, I, I think the animation on this show is is really well done. And it rivals a lot of the DC animated movies. When you consider that this is a cartoon and you think of other DC cartoons that were on Cartoon Network, even at this time, like the Green Lantern cartoon was kind of a CG looking thing. Um, after this was the Batman, which is an even uglier looking CG thing. Or beware the Batman, not the Batman. Oh, the Batman is when he has really intense gloves. The bat, Yes, and the weird Joker with dreads. When you put all of that into perspective, this is a really beautiful show. Like, it's just really pretty to look at. It's artfully thought through as if it's – there are moments that feel like comic panels, and I appreciate that. I think I have two low points that I think, you know, it seems like – I watched the whole preview. Not the preview, but the trailer, and I, I understand there's going to be a lot more, like, characters. Very few women in the pilot itself i think that's valid and i think the reason that i didn't think of it is because i have watched the rest of it um the team does eventually get two really strong reoccurring ladies who are in as many episodes as robin kid flash and aqualad and then they also get a third who occasionally will help out the team all of whom have really strong arcs so the sausage party it doesn't stay. <laughs> yeah, there's the broing it up, just straight. They're bro-ing. very broing it up right now. <laughs> yeah, and I guess my only other low point is just like it's not. I'm I'm seeing a lot of characters that I like in other in other iterations. Like I kind of do like a Tim Drake Robin, and I do like a Wally West Flash and things. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it depends also generational generationally, and I don't want to be that guy that's like not my titans no but i i I could i think that's really valid because the you know the the comics i read or have read are much closer to this show than the original teen titans run and that's okay i mean characters they they adapt they grow they change with audiences they change with creative teams and so it's very valid to say like this isn't really the type of teen titans show that i like um and and i think that any show like this always kind of feeds on nostalgia and the nostalgia for me is going to feel different than nostalgia for you so so i I think that's a valid low point by by all means i know uh we do not appreciate wally west enough like (laughs) if you watch the cw flash everything that you like about grant gustin's like flash is from wally west i i do know that and i also know that dc right now is is having some issues with their wally west I know. Oh. In that he's 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 a little incapacitating. Oh my god. <laughs> They're so not good to him and he does so much. I will we'll dangle that thread. God damn that's, it. That's that's a good see? one to come back to because if we want to go into full spoilers, like show spoilers for like later on seasons, we can we can jump into that too if you want me to. Well, that takes us to an interesting part of the podcast, which is the moment before the moment. Are you going to watch or rewatch this show? And Liz, I'm giving a qualified yes, I'm going to watch, but I need your help. And we'll get to that later. So we might assemble some kind of like viewing order in a dangling <laughs> thread, but I'm going to watch. I'm going to do it. What about you? I mean, I've watched the show many times. I have no doubt that there will be a day where I just want to watch it again. 
Did you finish the third season that came out on the DC app? It's on hiatus for until summer, uh, but I have finished all the way through. Yeah. Oh my god, they split the season. <sighs> yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I'm really upset. Clever. Okay. Oh, DC app. Just Wait, it's really funny you. because a bunch of people were like, they got me because they knew I would do the annual. So if, you, if you're if you doing monthly right now, people are like canceling to until Young Justice comes back, which is hilarious to me. So there we go. Um, that's a good answer. And now, hoistlers, uh, we're going to decide whether we're going to hoist or not hoist. If you're new to the show, not hoisting is good. It means you did not walk on your own bomb. And hoisting is bad. It means you got hoisted by your petard. Read your Shakespeare. It's a bad thing. Liz, not a lot of mystery. Where are you at? Um, I would never hoist this. Ever. Then by unanimous consent, this is a not hoisted show because I'm not hoisting it either. This was a lot of fun. It it passed the phone test. I was not playing on my phone during it. That's really funny. I've watched this so many times that I actually rewatched it for this episode, but I did it while I was... Because I'm in the process of moving. So I was doing moving stuff. But I've watched it so many times that without even looking at it, I was able to quote it. Yeah. Like with the characters. Like, so I don't know what test that means, but I guess it passed that. <laughs> well, that's the assembling furniture test. If it eases anxiety and unhappiness <laughs> and depression exactly from like assembling furniture. Did. DC, put it on, a, put that on the DVD box. Okay. So next up, we have the uh, put it anywhere, guys, but not there. Because Mo started to get picky about where we were putting stuff on the list. And it's the quest for the best and worst pilot ever. We have a definitive list on our website of all the pilots that we've watched, including all the pilots of all time. And at number one, we have End of the Effing World. Watch it. It's on Netflix. At number... Oh, what are we at right now? At number 69 is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Don't watch it. Skip to season two. Wow. So, Jimbo and Mo, if you guys want to watch this one eventually, feel free to weigh in on this. Jimbo, it's only 22 minutes, so that's, like, within... Oh, that is Jimbo's sweet spot. <laughs> Liz knows Jimbo. Okay. I'm thinking about him. <laughs> so, my ceiling is X-Men, the animated series, because, to me, this show did a lot of the things that I loved about X-Men, but X-Men did it, like, 16 years beforehand. This was better than The Punisher, uh, but I don't think it was better than you. Like the the show we just did. Have you watched that yet? I haven't, but I've heard it's very good. It's very good, but I would not watch it if I wasn't in a committed relationship because it's very creepy. So it's just like, it's just being a woman. What it's yeah, like to it date is. as a woman. Say, Great. It kind of just reinforces everything that you hate and are afraid of. Background checks left and right. So yeah, I think this is our new number 24, pushing a million little things even further down the list. Jimbo likes that one, I don't. Uh, we have now come to the part of the show where we talk about our petardar. These are recommendations based on today's viewing and conversation. And Liz, I'll let you take it away. Um, I have a few, all of which are comics, because this is a comic book show. So I always try to recommend uh, comics. <laughs> uh, the first one is Young Justice has a really great companion comic. Uh, it is... It's three volumes. Each volume follows. Uh, first volume is first series, and the two volumes are the part of season two. And then there's more coming. Um, but it's kind of in between stories, which are really fun, uh, including like this version of Robin takes on Ra's al Ghul and stuff like that. The art is absolutely beautiful. It's by Christopher Jones. It's very similar to the show's art, um, but it's a really fun 
comic. It does skew to a younger audience similar to the show. So just keep that in mind if you're going in with like, you know, you want like a gritty Batman story. It's not there. Um, the other thing I would recommend is Robin Wars, which was a event by DC happened not too long ago. Uh, Robin Wars basically follows after Damian Wayne comes back from the dead. Um, and all of the former Robins, including a bunch of street kids who have decided to take up the mantle of Robin since Robin disappeared, being Damien, um, are taking on the Court of Owls. And it's really fun. And there's a lot of banter um, between, you know, Dick Grayson and Damien and Jason and Tim. And it's a really fun Bat family book um, that kind of has a lot of the same tone. Uh, but with a little bit grittier of a storyline. And then also the original Teen Titans cartoon. Okay, so I got big old, big old Wally West nostalgia boner just, just watching the show, thinking about the show. So that's where my Pitardar is. Um, Return of the Flash by Mark Wade and Salvador LaRocca is probably my favorite Wally West Flash story. Um, and it's also kind of really where like the golden age of like Wally, Mark Wade begins in like the 90s. So. It's a trade paperback. It's on Amazon. But also, you know, go to your local library. Um, I also want to um, plug Impulse, uh, which is also by Mark Wade and Humberto Ramos. Uh, the first trade paperback, Reckless Youth, especially issue number, I believe, four, which is Mr. Popularity. I think it's one of the best single issues, and I love it. It's very funny. Uh, Impulse does end up coming in on season two of Young Justice. Just to just to give you a dangle and thread there. <laughs> no, there's so there's so much dangling. Like we're just the biggest comic nerds, so <laughs> I can I can feel Fitz. He's our fact checker, and he he will like I can tell like what parts of the episode he's listening to because he'll just start like jumping in the group chat and correcting things. And I'm like Fitz is enjoying the episode right now, so I'm just I'm anticipating him. So, Hoistlers, welcome to part two of the episode. This is filmic analysis and interpretation. The spoilers are going to run wild and flow like wine, as Mo likes to say. So, we're going to get into the episode. We're going to get in the background of the episode. Talk about a couple different things, but let's start with the Crabman Award. And, Liz, do you want to introduce the Crabman Award? Uh, yeah. So, the Crabman is a character with a small role, but large contributions. So, um, Liz, why don't you start us off? It's just the two of us, so we're going to have to come to consensus. I will listen with an open mind, and I ask the same of you. Go. Mine is the uh, fireman who, when Kid Flash is running up to save uh, the scientists at the Cadmus lab, uh, I believe he calls him Kid Jr. or Flash Jr., <laughs> um, and he gets really annoyed. Uh, that's a constant contention with Wally is that nobody gets the same right, especially since Speedy is Green Arrow's sidekick. Oh, there, there was a one-liner in there. There was like, that doesn't even make sense. Did you catch that? I mean, you've seen the show a million times. I did. Oh, I love that moment. It's great. It's so great. I want to change my crab into that guy. I, that guy, guy might crowd. be a better one. I actually, I'll vote for yours. I have it 100%. I realized that that's the one I should have done because that, that was an amazing moment because it's true. Why is his name Speedy? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. So also, I didn't put it in the Petardar, but there is a comic where Speedy in the 70s gets addicted to heroin. So yes, yes like Speedy is. gets hooked on speed. Speedy also at one point has a child with like 
uh, Cheshire, who's like one Cheshire, of the Cheshire, the assassin. Yeah. <laughs> She's in the show, too. <laughs> so, okay, then by unanimous consent, my guy gets it. The guy in the crowd who said Kid Flash's name is dumb and Speedy makes more sense. I'm pretty sure he was, a, he was like one of the photographers. So now, Hoistlers, we're going to move to the most valuable part of the pilot episode, either on the screen or off the screen. Most valuable part, not most valuable player. And Liz, you want to start things off? I think Robin is my most valuable part because I just think he's ironically the youngest on the team. Um, but he's because he weirdly has the most experience. He jumps in. He he has no fear. He's really calm and he's absolutely hilarious and i love that he really is obsessed with the word whelmed <laughs> or the lack of the fact it is a word this is a fun robin i do sometimes find myself and i think there's like a specific um part of like dc fandom where it's like people like nightwing more than robin you know like we're like everyone loves dick grayson like dick grayson is a top many list yes best buns yes but this kind of made me this this show did make me appreciate like Dick Grayson Robin a little bit more than I think I had in the past. Yeah, it's it's funny. I always say that I like Dick better as Nightwing than Robin, but it is always nice to be reminded of like how he got there, which the show does well. And he's supposed to be fun, you know. Like he's supposed to be like I don't, I don't Yin and Yang is annoying and it's lazy. He's supposed to be like the. Maybe it's appropriate. He's supposed to be like the young, you know, to like, to boost. And he was supposed to be kind of fun. So there is a dichotomy there, which is also why it was really fun when he was Batman and Damien was Robin. Because Damien was that darkness, that broodiness. And Richard's a Batman who smiles. And it's just delightful. So, yeah, that's a really good MVP. I think my MVP, I split mine down the middle. I'll come back to my second MVP later. But I love this little connected universe because like that... I love watching the DC animated movies to see the little side characters and to see the cameos. Like I love in like the X-Men movies, how they always cram in like little side characters and stuff. And they reward the fans with the Easter eggs, like the fourth world Cadmus stuff. They had Duoblex. I don't even know if I say his name right. I'm pretty sure I don't. They have a lot in this show and it's really cool. The most recent season, I about lost it because the new big bad they've introduced is Granny Goodness. <gasps> yeah. I'm not even kidding. And I was like, what? Um, so it, it's, it's one of those things where they, they pepper in so many people. And if you're a comic nerd, it's really cool because they don't introduce you to it. They just, they just do it. They just throw it in. That was like the high point for me of Justice League Unlimited. Like I love, love, love just like, characters of the week and these like underserved characters and like the booster gold episode is still (laughs) to this day that's my booster like that is my booster gold so that yeah i loved how interconnected it was i loved how much throwback stuff there was um i just love it when you can tell that like comic book fans work on comic book stuff that's that's the mvp so now we're gonna jump into some literary analysis of pilot plot and characters and Liz, this was almost my MVP, but Speedy goes off, and it is awesome. Yes. 
It's funny because um, I remember the original trailer for this show. They used that line from when they're walking into the Hall of Justice and he's like, don't call us sidekicks. Oh, yeah. Um, and Speedy is the oldest of them. So it makes sense that he's kind of like fucking had it. Because after this episode, he he does become Red Arrow. He's no longer Speedy. So it, it's he they jump right into character arcs with him. Um, and it's it's pretty cool. But I. I think that 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 whole spiel is really funny, and I really love the moment where he says that like the Hall of Justice is just a hall, like the real watchtowers in space, and Batman just glares at I Green know. Arrow. Oh, they all do! Like Batman glares at Green Arrow, and then all of them look at him, and they're like, "What the fuck, dude!" Like they're like, "What the come hell, on, man? man? What the crap?" I have always enjoyed the characterization of like Green Arrow being slightly out of place or slightly uncomfortable <laughs> in the Justice League. And so the fact that, like, it's part of Young Justice just endears me to this show even more. But, like, this is a little bit literary analysis, but, like, is Speedy right? Because, like, that's not cool. Like, those are the partners. Like, they're in life and death situations. But the tone of the show is not as serious. But, like, that is dick. I would be pissed if I was Speedy. I would be pissed if I was, like, Kid Flash or Robin. I think Speedy is right because – and I think a lot of them take it to heart. Like, not just – the sidekicks, but I think a lot of their mentors take Speedy's words to heart, as well as the actions that he has kind of endowed upon, like, Robin, Kid Flash, and Aqualad. They go through some, like, harrowing missions, and this Cadmus mission that they've decided to go on is, is like, some real dangerous shit. So, I, I mean... I I think he's right in a lot of ways. I I think there should be more transparency. Like if you're putting, if you have a child soldier, you should tell him what's going on. Yeah, like, I was like, <laughs> I, I was avoiding the term child soldier, but they are all child soldiers. They're, I mean, that's the whole thing with every like comic book sidekick. It's like, I mean, this is a child soldier, but I guess we'll just ignore it, so it's fine. There are certain conventions in comic books that I think we take for granted and we don't question. Because, like, <laughs> I kind of... Mm, I'll get yelled at. I kind of think that, like, if Batman or Punisher happened in 2019, and if they didn't have, like, 70 to 40 years worth of backstory, we'd be like, that's a dumb character. They're very simple, you know? And, like, we just kind of accept it. Yeah. So, I... If you think about, like, what Marvel the the creative lengths marvel's had to go with like captain america like even in recent in recent comics he's he's kind of well outside of like hydra cap that was i mean in my opinion that was stupid but like his most recent run right now is a lot of an identity crisis and this idea of like i don't feel like i belong but when captain america started like it was world war ii everybody was patriotic um so i i don't know if you could come out with that character in 2019 and get the same reception like, I, I completely agree with that. I, I don't know if Batman would be anything without the 75 years of everything before him, including, you know, the golden age of, you know, Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Uh, Bill Finger being the real writer. Bob Kane, sir, sit down. Um, and then, you know, what, what Frank Miller did with the character, what Snyder did with the character during New 52, what King has done with the character now. I mean, there's so many people who have touched and shaped this character. And, and that's why it's also one of those things where going back to kind of what we said earlier, where this Robin is a very different creative team than 
you know, even uh, the Judas Project, which I mean, that's technically Nightwing at the end of it. But like, they're such different people writing it that obviously, even if you're trying to stay in a character, it's going to feel different. And that's okay. That's allowed. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely, I don't, I don't know if, but it, think about even obscure characters, like would Booster Gold be, I mean, is Booster Gold that, I mean, I feel like Booster Gold's always a little bit of a joke, but if you, if you just debuted with Booster Gold, like, would that work? <laughs> well, I think Booster Gold exists as like somewhat of a parody of like superheroes, you know? And so I think that he exists like through the framework of our existing ideas. But I mean, I was thinking, I was like, well, does, do all the heroes, would any heroes from like back in the day hold up that scrutiny? And I'm kind of like, well, you know, Daredevil's clever. Spider-Man is really funny and smart. And he kind of like a lot of like what we love about Spider-Man was there from day one. You know, I think the Hulk is a high concept idea that, you know, would work too. But yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm just like, Marvel standing. It's also a lot more personable. And that's kind of what Stanley did is Stanley created a superhero that felt like real people, which is why people love Spider-Man. It doesn't it's why Into the Spider-Verse affected so many people that moment where literally in the Stanley cameo, he gives Miles Morales a Spider-Man suit and says it always fits. And it's a joke because Stan's a salesman in that car- in that cameo and sal- Stan was a salesman. But, like, it is the idea of you- anybody could take on that mask. Anybody could be Spider-Man. And that wasn't the case with Batman. Nobody else can be Batman. Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne and, like, maybe Cassandra Cain and that's it. <laughs> Damien in issue 666. Uh, do you have any literary analysis stuff you want to look at? I do think it's interesting how many, specifically cartoons, sometimes it feels like it's not really planned in advance. Like everything is kind of just made for that 15 minute, 20 minute formula. This feels so planned in advance. Like there are, there are things dropped in this episode that you do not see until season two. And it's crazy to me when, when I'm rewatching it and realizing it. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's just fascinating. That's that's very cool. There were things that even as a casual viewer and even just watching the like the intro, there were things I noticed. And then that is very true. I, I agree. I think that the only Achilles heel of like the Batman animated series, like the 93 one, is just there's so little serialized storytelling that that's a little bit not... Not frustrating, because it still does what it does amazingly, and what it does is very impressive, but if you do, if you come at that show from being a comic book fan, like, if you're not, if you don't become a comic book fan through those Saturday morning cartoons, those shows are great, but if you were coming from the other side, as in, like, I love Batman stories, I love serialized Batman stories, I, like, hush, and it brings everything back in, like, I bet that show could be a little bit frustrating in that you might want more. I also think that show walked so the show could run like i don't think when they were making those shows they realized that the audience would skew so much older um into watching you know dc animated movies into now dc animated shows um which to get into kind of politics behind the show the reason the show was canceled off of cartoon network is cartoon network realized 
the average demographic for it was an 18 to 30-year-old woman. That was the highest demographic for this show. And they said that those people would not buy toys. Therefore, they canceled the show. Oof. Those people buy toys. They do. (laughs) I'm one of them. (laughs) Um, And it's just, it's a really interesting thing to think that. And it's also a generational thing where, you know, uh, millennials and, and, and Gen X or Z, I don't know what Gen it is. Um, it's kind of one of those things where I'll do adult things, but I don't know why I need to do that and not still be able to enjoy the things I enjoyed. So it's, it's, it's interesting how it's progressed. The only thing I'll push you on in what you said was, I think you mentioned that like, you know, they didn't necessarily know how many older fans would gravitate towards Batman the Animated Series, maybe X-Men. And I, I do get the feeling like we can call like the Animaniacs corollary or the SpongeBob one where like it's animation that appeals to children, but can still pull in adults. Cause like, I'm thinking about like, remember the, oh yeah, just the, the Adam West episode with the gray ghost and, um, all that heartbreaking animated series one. Pixar movies, Shrek. I, I mean, those are all examples of pieces of animation but i'm not saying the animators didn't know that i'm saying i don't think networks understand oh, the that. network oh the networks have no idea the networks are fuck-ups people who are creating a product know who the product's for i think the people who are selling the product are the ones who have the disconnect and i i think that will remain to this day it's why cbs doesn't understand why star trek's not doing well and it's like it, you put it behind a paywall nobody who's paying for cbs access is going to be watching star trek like you're creating this disconnect with with your you don't understand what your demographic is you don't understand what your viewer is because you are not that person but liz no one who was making spider-man the animated series in the 90s knew who it was for (laughs) what it was for or what it was doing so this is that is the one exception it's so bad don't go back and watch it guys like it's the opposite of a nostalgia boner it'll just make you feel stupid I occasionally watch, there's a YouTube video where it's all the memes and it's the voice actor doing the memes. <laughs> That's the only thing of it I will watch. <laughs> I like, every time I watch a Batman the Animated Series episode, I just like, I walk away refreshed and happy. Like, especially the one where they're all playing, uh, all the villains are like playing poker and they, <laughs> it's all how they almost got them. And it's an amazing episode. But like, I have... I've been sucked into the Amazon for whatever reason. Amazon Prime has a lot of good animated shows. They do. Uh, I have I have attempted to watch an episode of Spider Man and just just watch the just watch the opening on YouTube. That's the best part of the show. I I actually now own the Batman animated collection, like the series. Oh, the Blu rays. Yeah, I I ended up splurging myself for Christmas, so I was very happy. That is awesome. And then I own Young Justice on iTunes, so. <laughs> If they ever come out with a fancy Blu-ray for that, I'd probably I'd probably buy it too. <laughs> now we're going to move to part three, Outside the Pilot. These are related themes of the shows. To the stage is the Stormy Daniels, Dangling Threads of Interest. And Liz, explain this to me. So this is a very popular show, but this is also a divisive show. You mentioned that it was canceled. It came back. It's back again. I'm, I'm a casual viewer with a comics background that wants to like this show how should I watch it? In what order? What can I skip? What should I not skip? Help me. I mean, I, I think just in order, 
personally. Uh, and the reason I say that is is because there are always something that's kind of dropped. There are filler episodes here and there, um, but some of the filler episodes are the best. My favorite episode is a filler episode, um, and it's called Haley Circus. And Robin ends up doing a mission at Haley Circus because he's obviously has a connection there. It's one of those shows where it's it takes a little bit to get everybody established despite dropping you in the middle. Artemis, who's a really ends up being a really big player, big female character, she doesn't come in until season one, like episode seven. Um, so it, it does take a little time, but it is something where it's only two it's only twenty two minutes each and it's very easy to go through. The first season at least is pretty fun mindless fun the second seasons when it starts to get pretty like shit hits the fan serious uh like you see like dark side you see like war world coming you see uh vandal savage plays a really big role so if you're a if you're a big dc comic fan and you and you like those people who you don't always see you know in in mainstream stuff this is definitely a really cool show if only for those easter eggs just based on your personal opinion, can you rank the seasons in order? I would say number two. Would I, though? My only caveat with three right now is the animation's not as good. That's my mm. only issue with number three. Um, I A lot of people don't like the time jump, and they, um, but I like the time jump in season two. I like season two more than season one, but right now season three is last, partially because it's not done. And the other part is I just don't think the animation is as clean. That being said, it is still fantastic and it does have Oracle. So I can't be that angry. And so far, it's like the best iteration of Oracle that has been on like television or video games. Because unlike in Batman Arkham Knight, she's she doesn't need to be like saved. <laughs> that was annoying. Did you watch the Birds of Prey WB series? <laughs> no, I think it's only like one series or one season. I think it's on the DC app, though. I could do it. And I know that the the woman who played Black uh, Canary in that is now going to be Alice in the new Batwoman show, which I love that villain because it's Alice in Wonderland-based, and I loved anything Alice in Wonderland, especially if it's an Alice in Wonderland-based Batman villain. You know what I saw on the DC app? Uh, they have the Aquaman um, CW pilot, and you know who it is? Who? The attractive dude from This Is Us, the brother, the white guy. Oh, that's funny. I know. I was just scrolling through, and like I remember it being like an urban legend. They were like, "Oh, they tried to CW Aquaman, and it was bad." And I was like, "Oh, whatever." And then it's sitting there in the middle of the DC app, and I'm like, oh, "This Is Us." I kind of want to do a like a retrospective like review on this pilot now. Maybe it's the lost <laughs> pilot. Maybe. It's up to you which rankings you want to do. Uh, you want to rank the sidekicks or you want to rank the DC Animated Universe? This pilot? Okay. Yes. Start at the bottom. I feel like that's not very difficult. Like, that's that's pretty easy for me. I'm going to go Aqualad, Speedy, Kid Flash, Robin. Okay. What about Superboy? He's technically in the pilot. <sighs> okay. Superboy's below Aqualad. He doesn't actually have, like, <laughs> speech right now. He's oh, literally... I'm just saying in general, not in the pilot. We're we're outside the pilot. Oh, in general? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't Actually, know. Yeah. for season one, Superboy is still last. <laughs> that child drove me insane. Actually, my my ranking pretty 
stays. Um, I might switch around Speedy Aqualad depending on the episode, but for the most part, that's kind of where it's standard. I kind of, I'm with you. I think Superboy's my bottom. He's there. He's not doing a lot for me. And this is not my version of Superboy I like. Because again, like I'm basing it on like my formative years. Like I love. This is not 90s Superboy. It, no, it's all. not 93 the kid. It's not He's like the kid. Superboy Prime. He's very whiny. This is literally Superboy Prime. Um, I both love and dislike Speedy, so he would come next. Like, I love that Speedy, like, just rejects it all, but he's kind of lame anyway, and I'm a little bit disappointed he goes to Red Arrow, because my other fellow children of the 90s will remember that Speedy was Arsenal, and that he was, he wasn't grim, but he was gritty. I can't go into that. It's a spoiler. All right, all right, all right. Well, good to know. But if you're an Arsenal fan, as in of that character, you should stick with Young Justice. I'm a fan of 90s comics in that Arsenal existed. That Arsenal is pretty darn close. So then, yeah, we'll put we'll put Red red Speedy Arrow Arsenal still close to the bottom. I got to put Kid Flash in there because I don't... Mm, this hurts. This version hurts. I want it to be different. You didn't, you didn't like this, Wally? He was fine. It... I really wanted, I really wanted the Flash at the beginning to be Wally, and I wanted this to be Bart. Because they were messing around with who they wanted. Like, this, to me, this, this lineup was most closely akin to, like, the first lineup of the Titans, but they were definitely making choices with time. So, I mean, I would say if they wanted it to be Bart, it could have been Bart, but is what it is. So, pushing that down. I liked Aqualad a lot. Calder is great. Calder's just a little bit of a, not to be a pun, but he's a wet blanket. I know, I like it. Oh, I just, I liked how, like, <laughs> it was a bad idea. It was a bad plan. And, like, you know, traditionally Robin is the tactical leader and Robin is, like, the thing. And, like, he wasn't in the show and it didn't bug me. I thought it was funny. I liked that Aqualad was, yes, you're right, the wet blanket and that, and that Kid Flash and Robin were kind of dumb, uh, which was great. It's also because Robin is in this 13. Uh, Kid Flash, I believe, is 15 or 14, and then Aqualad's 17. So in theory, he should be in charge, but Robin's, like, low-key, like, backseat drive-in right now. I also imagine Atlantis's public education is far superior to that of America, so Aqualad is probably... That's not true. He's tutored by Alfred. Dick is? I thought Dick would... Oh, for Dick went to public school. I mean, I'm sure he goes to Gotham Academy, but I, he's all, Alfred's, Alfred's. Okay, well, that's true. Things. You're right. The power of the power of generational wealth has saved Tim Drake. No, not Tim. <laughs> Dick from public education. It will save Tim later. That's any consolation. Do you know who this Robin is voiced by? Uh, I think I saw it. Is it James Morrison? No, it's Jesse McCartney, the pop Oh, singer. my goodness. I know who that is because when you had to pay 99 cents for iTunes, I bought your song, Jesse McCartney. Uh, I support you and your hair, which is wonderful. It's really funny because he, like, when Young Justice came back, he, like, tweeted. And he was like, hey, a lot of my fans don't know this, but I also do a little bit of voice acting. Anyway, I'm Dick Grayson on this show. And he was like, also, I have a new single out. <laughs> but it was just really funny. There, um, She should get credit, but I think, I believe it's Andrea Romano is the voice um, director so I think she's the voice caster, and she has been for DC Animated. I'm not sure if she was there for, like, the 93 um, Tim Burnett years, but I know she's, like, a mainstay of all the best DC Animated projects, and I s- believe I saw her name on this one. She does amazing. 
She does amazing. Because, I, I mean, if DC animated products are known for anything, it's their voice acting. I mean, Kevin Conroy. Like, <laughs> uh, It makes me sad he's not Batman in, like, the reign of the Superman post-New 52 um, Batman stories. Yeah, Bruce – I think it's Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood is. Which I'm, I'm not mad at it, but, I mean – I know. Okay. Um, that's a good sidekick ranking. Okay, let's do this. Give me a, give me your top three DC animated anything, and then give me your absolute bottom DC animated. My absolute bottom is, uh, The Killing Joke. Yeah. Ugh. That's gross. Because I hate the book, and I hated that movie more. Well, you're like, Um, like, how could they make The Killing Joke worse? Oh, they did. Oh, it was impressive how much worse. Um, my top... I I feel like there's so much. I think my absolute top is actually Batman Under the Red Hood. Um, followed by that is probably Young Justice and then probably Batman the Animated Series, which I don't know if you can tell, but I like Batman. <laughs> but that's that's probably my top three ranking. I got to throw it in there because I just love it. But I think I really do think Justice League Unlimited might be my favorite DC animated anything just because um, Justice League Unlimited really did pull me in with the serialized storytelling. Like, I think that this show does a similar thing. Like, they have, like, a big bad, like a lot of serialized shows do, with some fillers in there. But, man, like, Justice League Unlimited just, like, absolutely knocked it out of the park for me in terms of, like, the balance between filler and serialized. And it had a really good Amanda Waller, too. Oh, yeah. I love that Amanda Waller. I think if you drop below that, it's definitely Batman the Animated Series. I'll pick one, but the DC animated movies, like, I have no idea how at this point, like, the DCEU or whatever the stupid movie universe is, how they haven't just promoted every single person who makes the animated movies. Because, like, they're all awesome. They're so good. Did you see Superman vs. the Elite is back on the DC app? Oh, is it? That's good. Um, I still need to watch... Reign of Superman. I really liked Death of Superman. I wrote a review of it for that podcast. For that you did. I edited it. Yeah. Um, okay. But, uh, but I, I so far have I really loved uh, Batman versus Robin when it was like Court of Owls and Damien and and because Court of Owls is one of my favorite Batman villains, even though they're so new. Yeah, I don't. People kind of ding Snyder and they're like, well, "What did he ever do to it?" I'm like, "Dude, Court of Owls is like the Court best new addition to Batman." I feel like in 20 years, like I have the coolest. So I've met Scott Snyder. I think Whoa. two or three times. Is he now. nice? Um, he's the nicest oh, human being on the planet. Nice. Oh my god, he is so kind. Um. I I actually I own three versions of the Court of Owls. He's signed all three because I have one I read. I have a fancy hardback, and then I have a very fancy hardback because I have a problem. But I was talking to him, and I said I was reading this on my lunch break. And there's a point in that book where Batman is lost in the maze. He's literally like high on this poisonous gas. And in the book, you actually have to turn it upside down, sideways to actually properly read the panels. Um, and I was talking to him about it, and he said that he had to fight DC to get that. That DC initially told him no, but him and Greg Capullo really, really fought for it because they were like, we really want it to be disorienting. Um, and I was like, I loved it. I'm glad you did it. And he was like, well, thank you. Um, and Scott Snyder has a lot of horror uh, roots. He he first started doing horror comics, um, and he does really great horror runs for Image uh, in particular. 
uh, but it, it, it kind of shows in the way he does Batman. So, yeah. I don't have as much space for comics as I used to. So I have like my trade paperback shelf is like very, in my opinion, very carefully um, <laughs> curated. Although actually I'm going to yeah. do a, a Sunday shelfie for you tomorrow because I have, yes. my birthday was like 10 days ago. And so my immediate family really came through paying attention to my Amazon wish list. And so nice. my, my comic shelf is pushed over into the next like row of books and it's like extended in the Brian K. Vaughn section. So I got two really nice hardcovers of Saga. Uh, Scott Snyder is on my shelf. And I have a uh, trade paperback of Zero Year, which I think is my favorite um, Snyder Batman. Oh, oh, but um, I do have a huge soft spot. I don't think it's anyone's favorite DC animated um, movie. But um, I like that anthology Green Lantern movie because it has um, Mogo Doesn't Socialize, which is also one of my favorite DC short stories. Oh, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. When comic book fans make comic book media, I'm like, that is... It's not a deep cut. It's an Alan Moore story, so of course it's famous, but... Yeah. Um, just, Still. just getting Mogo in there. I love Mogo, so. Well, uh, so section four, Pitard trivia. Uh, Liz, I have some questions prepared for you, and it's on the honor system, okay. so I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was, like, really excited, because I was like, I'm going to get them all right. Um, no. Uh, so we're going to come back next week uh, with the Netflix show Sex Ed. So if you want to watch along with us, um, if you can't tell by the music, the show is officially over. Here's a couple plugs. Our intro and outro and ad background music is mixed by Jake Drew. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. You can join our Facebook group. Again, just put petards in the, uh, the old search bar there. I'd be surprised if you find anything else. Uh, you can find, uh, some of my movie review stuff on, but why though podcast.com along with episodes and Liz, is there some stuff you want to plug? Yeah. So I am an editor and social media manager for, but why though as well. Um, and I have a lot of new stuff coming out, comic reviews just about every week, uh, and got a few, uh, think pieces, uh, working on. So check those out as well at, but why though podcast.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Lizzie Lynn Garcia. And Liz is reviewing like Batman comics ahead of time. So we there's those are DC preview books. So movement up in the world. Congratulations. The day the day that we got like the official I mean, Kate and I, I think, have been working on that for like six months at this point. And the day we got it, I, I started crying. Cause I I left my the other reviews I was doing and went and basically signed a contract with Kate and Matt. And I was like, I'm only going to do it for you guys. And my one goal is I want DC. And I think we got those like the second week of January. And I was like, 2019 is May, guys. We're doing great. And oh, God, I was just crying. 2019 tears. is better. So it's going better. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got a couple minutes for shop talk. And we've already kind of started there. So congratulations. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, Liz, congratulations. 2019 is looking pretty good. I know. I just I just moved. I'm so happy to be in my own place. Built two pieces of furniture today. That was awful. My that was like a workout. Like I feel sore. <laughs> Probably mostly from carrying the boxes up, but still. I put together this um little bookshelf thing for my kids and it was awful. Like my <laughs> wife looked at the directions and was like, it doesn't look that bad. It was really bad because it was like it was screwing together slats of wood with circles of wood 
using these screws that didn't connect all the way. Like you had to push one piece of wood into a slot and then slide it in. Oh, and, and then I stripped the, uh, the screws because I was using a drill and like I was freaked out because I didn't want my 23 month old daughter like touch the side and cut her hand. And then, and then also it was pink too. And I thought I'd be able to like take the pink pieces out, but those fuckers, it's like a cloth thing and the books hold, hang in the cloth. So I couldn't take the pink parts out. So gender norms. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fighting that battle at my house. I mean, if it's any consolation, as a girl who named her female cat Spider-Man, my favorite color is still pink. And I went through a phase where I was like, I'm not allowed to like pink. Like, I need to be, you know, like, better. And then I was like, no, I like pink. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, my my issue is not <laughs> with pink as a favorite color. It is just that pink is in proportion. If It's everywhere. If one-eighth of our stuff is pink, then I think we have the proper amount of pink. No, I th- th- Yeah. And luckily enough, Emma tells us what her favorite color is, and it is yellow. Good. Good job, Emma. Pink pink is second, but yellow. I mean, it's, it, is, it is very frustrating to walk down, like, the girl's toy aisle, and it's just all pink. And it's like, well, there's other colors of the rainbow. So, no, I, I, I understand. <laughs> Thank you. I have these, like, quasi-intense conversations with my wife's family because... They're curious, but they don't really want to hear what I have to say. So it's the, <laughs> it's very polite. Like, you know, we made sure it wasn't pink. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Like, that's what we want. And then they're like, because you hate pink, right? I'm like, I don't hate pink. That's not what I, that means. But I don't fine. want my child indoctrinated to gender norms that she hasn't given her consent to. So, ah! and that's when they're kind of like, I wish I hadn't started talking to you. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my family, like knows better my dad the other the other day was like we're gonna like put in bunk beds for when you have kids and mind you my mom has like she's very happy that i'm not having children like my mother is excited and then i don't think it's hit my father yet and literally i stared at him i was like dad how many cats fit on a bunk bed (laughs) my mom started laughing because she thought it was funny but he didn't really understand the joke (laughs) he was very confused i was like sorry I don't want any. That was clever. <laughs> Off the top of your head, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm good at anything. It's it's being jokes off the top of my head in uncomfortable situations. <laughs> it's, it's my one superpower. <laughs> Liz, this was really fun. Thanks for doing a one-on-one for the very first Jimbo free episode. <laughs> I'm sure he's gonna is gonna listen back, and he's gonna have like a lot of annoyances he's like i we should have said this and that and and jimbo you were here in spirit we promise well jimbo you're also here in the editing bay so (laughs) um you know you'll probably listen to this a couple times no matter what so (laughs) hey jimbo it's good to see you i'm very happy to be back though yeah i I took a tiny a a little bit of a hiatus because move in and new job but i'm excited to be back yeah and i'll be back next week too for uh, sex education yeah watch that show it it does some very interesting things, but it also does some stuff that I don't like. So it'll be fun to talk about. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, every day we're hoistling. Drew out. Elizabeth out. Have a good night, guys. Bye.